morning. I don't know about you, man. I love those, those videos. There's just something cool about hearing the stories of how God's working across all of our campuses, kind of wrapped up in like a two to three minute video. But I hope that you are doing well. And I want to kind of pose this question as we are in week two of this one series. I wanted to throw this out there to you really kind of prime the pump and get, get our minds and our hearts thinking on this. But if you in this moment were to honestly evaluate your relationship with God, like just you and God, and you just kind of look and say, okay, where am I in my relationship with God, specifically your prayer life, how you talk to God, what does that look like for you, uh, how often do you do that, what's kind of the attitude when you go to God in prayer, but if you were to evaluate your relationship with God, specifically your prayer life, when was the last time, if ever, you prayed a simple prayer like, God, just use me. Just use me. I, I, I'm right here. I'm available. How, whatever you want to do, God, kind of a prayer of surrender and availability of God, just, just use me. Because the truth be told, if you think about it, most of the time our prayer lives are really kind of directly impacting of us and the people that we love. So more often than not, our prayer lives are things like, God, I really need you to help me find a job. God, I need you to provide financially in this moment. God, I need your help. I'm in a really difficult situation, so if you can help me navigate this. God, help my grandmother. Uh, heal her. Help this friend that's in need. Help me uh, get a, uh, do well on this test. I know I didn't study God, but I need you to do a miracle right here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, help me... Uh, figure out, give me the wisdom, what school am I supposed to go to? Who am I supposed to marry? You know, and so you think about that, and there's nothing innately wrong with praying those things. I mean, God says that we should be asking and praying for those types of things. But what if our prayer lives were more directly, directly uh, related to a prayer similar to what we just heard the story of, God, just use me. That it wasn't, God, I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this for me. How about this? Help me here. Help me with this. Get me through this. I need this. But instead, the majority of our prayer life was just simply a prayer of surrender that said, God, use me. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means. I'm going to take a step of faith, and I'm just going to say, God, use me. And my prayer and our staff's prayer, our church's prayer, um, for you this morning, and I really do believe this. I think for many of us in the room this morning that today's message can be a game changer in your relationship with God. Not simply just how you pray, but really your attitude, your posture, your heart behind coming before God and making yourself available to whatever he has and what his plan looks like, um, even if it goes against um, our plan. And so I know this, this kind of a disclaimer, praying that way is dangerous. It, it's scary. It's uncomfortable. It gets us out of our kind of our space to pray that type of way. And I'm hoping that you can see that. And I really pray that God's just is stirring something in you this morning and that you can take a step of obedience um, at the end of the service. But if you were here last week, we started this one initiative it's so much bigger than just a three-week series, but really this heart, this vision, this passion behind our church and what we want to see. And last week we talked about we want to be a unified church. And we looked at 
uh, the book of Ephesians, the letter written by Paul to the church of Ephesus, where he's challenging the believers to be united. He says, hey, you know, have the spirit of unity and the bond of peace. Talks about, hey, we have, um, we're united in belief. Talks about one God, one baptism, one Father who's over all. All those things that unite us. So we talked about how we're united in our belief. We also talked about how we're united in our calling. He, um, Paul says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which you have been called. And so we talked about that. That calling unifies believers. Kind of broadly speaking, that as we give our lives to Jesus, as we surrender to him and he becomes not only our Savior but our Lord, that unifies believers. That unifies us under this grace umbrella of God's calling, calling us to himself to live for him. So that's the broad spectrum of things. But I want to take it a step further this week because if you were to look in all of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, God is all about the business of calling people. Now, that doesn't mean he picks up the phone and is like, hey, what's up, Brandon? How's it going? <laughs> you know, but he is calling. He's urging. He's leading. He's guiding. He's convicting. He's telling us to go somewhere, to do something, to get out of our comfort zone, to take a step of faith, to take a step of obedience, something that is scary, that brings uncertainty. But God is calling his, his people. And people who know God, God calls us out of this ordinary life and to step into faith, and to cause us to really some supernatural things, things that are only described by him. And that's my prayer, is that uh, as a campus, as a church, man, how awesome would it be that we begin to develop the habit to pray this way, to have this heart and this posture, that beyond just the next two years, that we see God do something that we can honestly say wasn't man-made or wasn't because so-and-so invited so-and-so. It was a work of God that we said, man, that's only because of God. That's only because of what he is doing. And we just want to step into that. And so if God is calling his people, Old Testament, New Testament, and now, urging us, leading us, convicting us, however you want to, how do we respond to that call. Easier said than done, right? We've all been in those situations where we feel that urging, we feel the Holy Spirit telling us to do something, and we're like, okay, how do we respond to that? Now, in its most elementary form, if you think about it, all right, if you really think about this, responding to the call of God is simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. Responding to the call of God is simple. We either obey or disobey. When God is urging us, he's prompting us, he's leading us and guiding us, it's simple. We either obey or we disobey. And I just want to look real briefly at a couple examples in the Old Testament of how um, some individuals responded to God's call. Now, think about first the story of Jonah, all right? Jonah's this prophet. God calls, to him, calls him to go somewhere. And his attitude, the attitude of Jonah is, here I am, God. I'm not going. He says, here I am, God, but I'm not going. Now, you can look in Jonah chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, and you can see this is what God says. He says, Jonah, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. So that's God's call. I want you to go to Nineveh, 
uh, savage place, known for their evil, known for killing people. I want you to go there, and I want you to call them out. I'm telling you to do this. Listen to how Jonah responds. It says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. He said, here I am, Lord, but I'm not going. Now, when we are in disobedience to the Lord, man, we do some stupid things. Like, so stupid, like it's stupid, like double O, like stupid, all right? Like, we just do dumb things. I mean, think about this. Jonah thinks he's just going to get in a boat and flee from God. I mean, how dumb is that? You, you can't just be like, okay, God, I know you must just be right here. So I'm going to get in a boat. I'm going to pay the fare. I'm going to run. Here I am, God. I'm not going. I'm not doing what you want me to do. And I can't help but think, how many times have you and I been in those situations where God has directly called? Maybe it hasn't been more than likely not this audible voice. But we can feel it in our heart. We know God's calling us to do something, to speak to someone, to be somewhere, to go somewhere, to, to do some type of step of obedience. And we're like, God, I want you to use me, but I'm not doing it. I'm not going. I mean, we're robbing ourselves of the blessing of God. And we all know we don't need to get into some kind of theological thesis that there are consequences to our disobedience to the Lord. We see that in Jonah. You might know he got swallowed up by a big fish, okay, whatever. But there's consequences to that. And we see that all throughout Scripture. You have probably experienced that. You told God no, and there were consequences for that. And so we see that response. Now you look at Moses, man, probably one of the most influential characters uh, in the Old Testament. And if you know the story of Moses, he was a Hebrew. At the time, they were going to kill Hebrew uh, baby boys. And so his mom put him in a basket. He floated down the Nile. Um, he grew up and was adopted into uh, Pharaoh's kingdom, into his palace, r was raised in royalty. And then he got to this point in his life where he's like, I don't look like them. Like, I'm an I'm a Israelite. They're Egyptians. I don't kind of belong here. And then he saw how his people, the Israelites, were being treated in slavery. Um, and and so he committed a crime, he fled from Egypt, and God shows up and calls him to do something. So we see that call in Exodus chapter 3, when God says this, in uh, chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. God says, come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And here's Moses' response, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So God says, hey, I want to use you. I'm going to uh, um, use you in a way. You're going to lead your people out of slavery. And I just, I'm going to use you in a huge way. And here's Moses' heart. Here I am, God, but send somebody else. Don't use me. I'm not gifted. We even see that Moses goes on. He's like, I I'm not eloquent in my words. Who am I? to go to Pharaoh. Send somebody else. Now, practically speaking, we do this in our lives a lot. We'll, we'll say things like, um, hey, you know what? I know God wants me to serve, but there's someone else that can serve. I'm really busy. 
you know, I don't really have a lot of time on my hands, on my hands, and I give one hour on Sunday, and that's all I can give God. Sounds ridiculous coming out loud, doesn't it? Like, I need to go somewhere. I got things to do. I got naps to take. I got Braves games to watch, whatever. Fill in the blank, but I can give you an hour, and that's it. But there's, there's other people that can serve. You know, I want to serve. I know God's calling me to that, but no, God, send somebody else. You know what? Someone else can serve in kids' ministry. Those stay-home moms, they don't really have, they have all kind of time in the world. Every stay-home mom is like, yeah, right, okay? I'm coming after you, <laughs> all right? But think about that. We're like, send somebody else. You know what? I know I should give, but you know what? I'm kind of financially tight right now. But I know that guy, that girl, I saw what they were driving in the parking lot. They probably have a lot of money. They're probably giving. So that kind of makes up for my disobedience. Send somebody else. You know what? I, I know I should step up and serve in some kind of capacity, but I just don't know if I have the gifts for that. So I'm just going to kind of fly under the radar for a little bit. I'm just going to come in and come out of church. I'm going to do, do that. And I'll eventually serve when I get to that place. We're like, when you really, really need me, we need you. <laughs> Here I am, God. Send somebody else. And then we get to the prophet Isaiah. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. This is where we're going to land this morning very, very quickly. But Isaiah... And his response to the Lord, this is what we see. It says uh, in verse 8 of chapter 6, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Then I said, Here I am, send me. So you have, Here I am, Lord, I'm not going from Jonah. You have Moses that says, here I am, God, but send somebody else. And then uh, Isaiah says, here I am, God, send me. Now notice what Isaiah didn't say. Isaiah did not say, hey, how much is this going to cost me? Is this going to make me uncomfortable? Because if it is, I just don't feel good about it. How much time am I going to have to spend on this? Is this kind of like just like an hour here and there? Or am I need to go somewhere? Am I going to have to give up something? Am I going to have to sacrifice my time, my finances, my resources? What is that? Think about any excuse. He didn't have any excuse. He ultimately said, here I am, send me. And I want to challenge you this morning. I want to dare you. It's dangerous that this be the posture of our hearts. For us just to be available to the Lord and say, here I am, God. I give you permission to interrupt my plans. Here I am, God. It's not about me. Here I am, God. Do whatever you want to see done in my life. I'm giving it to you. Here I am, God. I don't care if it makes me uncomfortable. I need to be uncomfortable. Here I am. So how do we get to that? How do we get to that place? How do we get to that posture as believers? And I think there's some insight in the verses that precede Isaiah's surrender and in this moment of response to God's calling. So in the very first verse, we see this, chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. 
Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to, him, flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, say this with me, Here I am, send me. So two insights that I, just, I think get us to this place, to this posture. One is this prayer, this attitude that says, God, open our eyes. God, open our eyes. Let us see you. Open up our eyes to let us envision. Isaiah saw God. He saw, his eyes were open and he said, there you are, God, I see you. I see the temple is filled with, with your, your, the, the train of your robe. Man, it is filled in all majesty, in all glory. God, you are there. I see you. He even says, I see the king, the Lord of hosts. And so because of his experience, he knows who God is. And the reality is, is that when we see God and our eyes are open to who he is, that our obedience or our disobedience to God rests in our view of God. Think about that statement. Our obedience or our disobedience rests in our view of God. If you think God is some cosmic genie on some celestial cloud out in outer space on some star somewhere, you know, and you're like, he's distant, he's impersonal, I believe in him, he's a, I know he created it, okay, whatever, thank you Jesus, amen, whatever, but he's distant and there's nothing here, man, you'll disobey. Your life is not predicated by me obeying my Father in heaven. So your view of God is directly related to your steps of obedience. On the flip side, if you're like, man, God is sovereign, he's my father, and I'm fully dependent on him, and I want to make my heavenly father proud, then I need to be in obedience to him. And when he calls my name, I listen. And when he calls my name, I obey. And so we see this, that, man, in all of God's glory, Isaiah's eyes were opened and then as a result, the second thing that our hearts need to be about, if we're going to say, here I am, send me, is this attitude that says, God, forgive our sins. Forgive our sins. Isaiah says, woe is me. But he say, says that after he sees how awesome God is. He says, man, God is holy. I'm not. And I know this isn't grammatically correct, so sue me. All right, I'm not an English teacher. All right, but think about this. When Isaiah saw the goodness of God, he saw the badness of himself. He realized, man, I'm nobody. Woe is me of unclean lips. He confessed who he was. I'm nobody. I need God. I want to give my life to God. 
He is holy and majesty and I have unclean lips. And then you see this a beautiful picture of this kind of uh, uh, angel-like uh, figure come and put coal, hot coals on his lips. Now think about this. He's a prophet. Like his mouth was like the number one tool that God used. He says, your lips are made clean. Your sins are atoned for. And it came from this recognition, this awareness that he realized, man, I'm a nobody. So you have these two things. You have God open our eyes of, I want to see you. Man, I want to experience you. I want to see you like never before. I want to see you do things in my life, in the life of my friends, in the life of people. I know you're God. I know you're holy. I see your majesty and your, your robe has filled the temple. I see all that. And that leads me to a, a place of recognizing who I am. I'm a nobody. I need you. And those two things collide. And it brings Isaiah to this place of surrender that says, here I am. Send me. God, use me. Whatever you want to do. It's not about me, God. Use me. Just do something in me. I want to just be a part. I want to be in your presence. And that's our challenge. That in this series, as we, we see one church last week, one prayer, can you imagine if every single person at all of our campuses in the upstate we joined together and said, I don't care what it looks like, how uncomfortable it makes me, God, use me. Now, if you're new to our church, and e even if you've, you call this place home, you know we rarely do this, and this morning is just one of those mornings. But uh, our lead pastor, Wayne, is actually concluding the, the message part of this really with a practical challenge. What does this look like in our one initiative? What does this mean? And so like once, maybe twice a year, we show a video. You know, we fully believe in, in live teaching. And so um, I wanted you to spend the rest of this time checking out this video and hearing this the heart of our lead pastor, Wayne Bray. Check this out. Hey, everybody. My name's Wayne Bray, lead pastor here at Upstate Church. I just want to say how proud I am to be a part of this team. Man, you've got an amazing teaching pastor. No matter what campus you're at today, uh, Dustin, Dallas, Will, Ashley, man, all four of them are fantastic. And I'm just grateful that uh, they're all part of the team of Upstate Church. And, and here's the cool thing. You're part of that team, too. You know, this is 11 services, five campuses, thousands of people coming together in a common mission. That's really what brings us together is our love for Jesus and our desire to really follow in the footsteps that he has laid out for us. And so really, that's what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. We started last Sunday in this series called One introducing the one initiative, we, we started by bringing unity and saying, hey, you know, this is what we're about together. We can do more together than separately. We're better together, right? And so with that in mind, we talked about one church. Well, today we're talking about one prayer, and the prayer is God, use us. You've been looking at Isaiah chapter 6, and uh, man, I tell you what, no doubt a powerful passage where Isaiah in verse 1 of chapter 6 basically just sees God for who he really is, right? High and lifted up. But then by verse 5, his eyes are on himself, and he sees himself for who he really is. Woe is me. Man, I'm a sinner, right? And so we understand this is true of us in the same way. When we see God for who he really is, that's when we see ourselves for who we really are. And, and here's the kind of take home from here. When we see God for who he really is, we only have one natural response, at least only one good one, and that is 
man, we've got to go where he leads. We've got to do what he says. Our answer should be the same answer that Isaiah gave, and that is, here I am, send me. And so that's where we find ourselves even today. We, we, man, we're hearing the challenge from the word, and we recognize this is not a negotiable situation. We've got to really answer the call. We've got to, we've got to say, okay, what's my next steps? You know, what, what am I supposed to do with this information? Which is always the, the challenge when we're looking at a message, when we're hearing, uh, you know, our teaching pastor is like, no, we don't, we don't want to just hear good words. We want, to, we want to see steps in our lives that actually mean something. And so here's the thing today. I want to challenge you with a next step. In the books that you received last week, if you didn't get it last week, you need to get it this week. It's a, it's a handbook, really, for the One Initiative. Uh, there's a, a kind of a copy of this card, and this card is going to be handed out next week on every campus. And so everybody here is going to have an opportunity to get this card next week. If you look at page 17, it's going to have it kind of laid out for you. You can go ahead and look at the specifics on this card. You may say, why are you talking about a card, man? We're, you know, we're talking about Isaiah 6. Well, again, we want to give you a practical tool. We want to give you like something in your hands to help you be obedient to the call of God in your life related to your part in this mission in the upstate. And so with that in mind, these next steps are going to be very specific. Uh, on that card, there are actually three different squares, all right? So if you look at that page 17, you're going to see three different squares there that basically outline three challenges, or I'll say it like this, three commitments that I'm going to make. I'm going to tell you, I've checked the boxes, man. And, and your teaching pastor, they've all checked the boxes. None of us are holding back. And those three boxes represent really commitments that we're willing to make. The first one is about last week. And as one church, this first commitment is, yeah, man, I'm committed to be an ambassador of unity. I'm, I'm willing to be a promoter of unity in upstate church. I'm all about cross-campus unity, bringing this thing together. We're one church, we're one body, and we're on one mission. And so with that in mind, that's all about unity, first box. And so if that's you, the next week when you get that card, bro, you need to check the box, all right? That, that's you. Second box is about surrender, all right? And so we're not just one church, but we all share one prayer. And this prayer is, God, use us. The same prayer Isaiah prayed in Isaiah 6, in that, in that whole moment of, here I am, send me, God. And so, God, use me, no matter what. Whatever the question is, my answer is yes. If that's you, then you need to check box two, because you're saying, man, I'm going to share that prayer with you. Wayne, I, I'm, I'm willing to pray that prayer with Dallas, with Dustin, with Will, with Ashley. I, I'm going to pray that prayer with you guys. Yes, God, Use me. Whatever it means, man, I surrender. Now, here's the thing. Big elephant in the room. There's a financial component under surrender. But I don't want you to get distracted from your commitment to the whole because of your reluctance with the part. And so, look, don't, don't get messed up or sidetracked because you see a dollar figure. Here's what I, I do believe is so true about this initiative. All right, this commitment card is not so much about you surrendering your finances as it is about you surrendering your life. And so look, if, if you're here and you're like, man, forget the money thing, here's what I'm telling you. The question is, are you willing to surrender your life? If your answer is yes, check that box, all right? Not just number one, but number two. Now, I would encourage you to go ahead and look at that. What am I giving right now? What will I give for the next two years? That's a total number. 
for the next two years. And then what's a one-time gift on the big gift? The reason that's important is it helps me to actually put it down on a piece of paper to hold me accountable. I'm actually making a commitment. But then in addition to that, it does help us plan ahead as far as a church. So I would encourage you to put that. But look, don't miss the, the big point. And that is, yes, one church, unity. One prayer, I'm surrendering. And then the third part of that, if you'd say, what's the, the last part of my commitment next week? Seven days from now, you're going to have an opportunity to turn in this commitment card. And that third square is about you saying, I'm willing to be a witness. And I'm willing to, to, to give my one life and devote it toward trying my very best to reach one life. I, I want to go all in in the sense of evangelism. I want to I want to share my faith. I want to be a witness. So yeah, my neighbor, my community, my, the person across the hall in the dorm, you know, or or the man I, or woman I work with or my family member, no matter who it is, yeah, God, the next 2 years, I want to I want to be an instrument that you use. I want to be your hands and your feet. I want to bring somebody to Jesus. That's a huge commitment. And that's really that's all it's about, man. This initiative is about those three things. So the question is not are there clear next steps out of this message? Man, they are in your face. <laughs> they are there. It's not a question of, I don't really know what to do. No, the question is, are you willing to do it? The question is, am I willing to be a promoter of unity? Am I willing to do everything that God calls me to do? I'll surrender it all. And am I willing to, to share my faith and to be a witness over the next couple of years? Uh, the next seven days, I want you to look at page 17 a lot, man. Look through the contents of the book. Really pray about it every day. What are you asking, God, of me? What should I give of myself, of my time, of my resources? And then am I invested enough in this church? Am I really one enough to put it on a piece of paper and to bring it to the altar next Sunday and to leave it there? And that's a big question. And I think it's one that we all need to answer. Here, here's the truth. When we see God for who he really is, there really is only one acceptable response. And that is that we do what he says to do. We go where he leads us. And our answer is just like Isaiah's. Here I am. Send me. So the question we have to respond to this morning is, what, what is your step of obedience? What does that look like? I mean, my hope is that God's been wrestling in your heart this morning and pulling you to do something, to take a step. And you don't have to wait till next Sunday to bring a card, you know, but maybe that's just getting right with God to say, you know what, I don't know Jesus. I need to give my life to him. Or maybe you want to use the stage as an altar this morning, just come before him and say, okay, God, like I, I've been like Jonah. I'm saying, hey, God use me, but I'm not going there. I've been disobeying. Or I'm like, hey, use somebody else. And I just need to, I need to for, ask for forgiveness and confess sins this morning. Maybe you just want to pray. What God, what is that? Give me some, give me some wisdom of what does that look like in that commitment Sunday, next Sunday? Financially, or just how, how do you want to use me? Clear my mind of that. And so as the band leads this closing song, man, I want you to do that. Just you and God. Spend some of that time just talking to him and saying, okay, God, what is next for me? Let me pray for us. God, we want to be people that obey you. God, I, I can't speak for everyone in here. I don't want to live in disobedience. 
I don't want to be like Jonah that says, I'm not going. I don't want to be like Moses says, use somebody else. Our heart and our desire genuinely should be, here I am, send me. Use me, God. Whatever you have, whatever it's going to take, let me get out of my comfort zone. It's not about me. I want to see you do something amazing. And if me taking a step of obedience can lead to someone else taking a step of obedience in you and your kingdom advancing, I want to do that because I know who you are. So, Father, let us take those steps together. One body, one church, stepping into a relationship and into obedience with you. God, we celebrate that. Let us take that step this morning and the days, weeks, and years ahead. In your son's name, amen. Let's close in worship together by standing.